Sweet. Thank you very much for being on the show, man. It is an absolute honor to have you here. Oh, it's good. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Now, uh, you are uh, undoubtedly an absolute legend I in your field. Um, and anytime I have an opportunity to, to talk to someone of your stature, I'm, I'm really, really stoked because there's a, I know there's, there's a hell of a lot of knowledge in there to, to be extrapolated and, and, and kind of given out. And I know that you've been doing that for many, many years now and built an incredibly successful coaching business off the back of it. But I want to take it back real quick um, to, to kind of back to the start because I understand that getting into strength sports, getting into competing, you hopped around a little bit in terms of you start off in powerlifting. You left powerlifting to go to bodybuilding, which I feel like is a big like flip on what a lot of people usually do. And then, of course, eventually you realized that picking up heavy stuff was the way to yeah. go. So you, you, you went back to powerlifting. So I'm interested, what took you away from powerlifting to start off with and got you into bodybuilding? And what was the kind of ultimate thing to, to kind of get you out of bodybuilding and pull you back across to the powerlifting world? I'll contextualize that a little bit so it makes a little more sense for you. Keep in mind that when this was happening, so like I did my first meet in 1996, there was, there was no raw division. So there was no raw powerlifting. It was basically like, so if I showed up and I benched 400 pounds, you know, and somebody else showed up and benched 400 pounds in the same in the 198 weight class and they benched 401 and they were using gear, they were using a shirt, then they won. So... <laughs> You know what I mean? So there, it, it wasn't like you, it wasn't like you got a little asterisk, and they're like you get like you know you get special points for raw. There was no real raw division, so like I really wasn't interested in the gear. And uh, so the high school that I was at, which was like a correctional school where I started lifting, there was only like there was a few shirts. So there were shirts that like that were for the kids to use, but like the the this one was too big for me, one was too small for me to do anything. Like it was too small for me to get it on. And one was too big for me to, uh, you know, it, it did nothing. Like it was, so I could, I was in a situation where I could do more without the shirt and I could do more without the, the gear too. Cause I just wasn't really willing to do, to handle the spot suit stuff. This was a time when you had to like actually pull everything on. Keep in mind, like you, there weren't like, this was single ply. There was no Velcro straps. Like it was a real ordeal. And to get in and train like that, you know, I was a 16 to 18 year old kid at that time. I was not, I'm like, nah. For people that well, I understand the ones that did it, you know, it made sense for them and allowed them to sort of safely pursue a competition in that sport. But for me, I was like, I had already been lifting for, sheesh, I probably started lifting pretty consistently when I was about 12 years old. I got like a, a weight set for Christmas that was one of those real corny one inch bars. I talk about this all the time. Like the little, uh, the one inch, like it was a Hulk Hogan weight set. And I had, it had the one inch, like the one inch bar with like a piece of red plastic that rotated around it on the bar itself. I guess it was to protect your hands. I don't know. Eventually we broke that, we broke that off, but it was the, uh, the sand plates. If you've ever seen the plates that you would uh, yeah, 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 yeah. it's like supposed to be 10 pounds. So I, you know, I got up to where it's supposed to be 25 pounds. So I got up to where I was doing a hundred pounds for 10 sets of 10 on bench press. Uh, I do it every day. Cause I didn't, you know, I didn't know anything about training. I had a very rudimentary understanding of it, like most kids do. I thought, like, I would work out with all the other kids in my neighborhood. They would come to my basement. You know, well, it was maybe two other people that were rotating in and out. But then I can remember, like, I would say when they would miss, I'd be like, dude, you just wasted all that work you did for the last few weeks. Like, I, I, like, I really thought that, you know what I mean? I was like, man, I'm never going to miss because I thought if I missed a session, I would get weaker. Like, I didn't really understand. I was a kid, you know, I'm talking 12, 13 years old, 14 years old. 
And I can remember being like 14 and I had been, got to the point where I was working up into the weights and doing more and more volume. And like I said, at that point, I was probably doing 100 pounds for 10 sets of 10. And I was doing military press when you sit on the bench but, and press out of the bench. Yeah. Military yeah. press, I was doing that every day too. And barbell rows. I hadn't started doing squats yet. But I remember I knew I had to do the barbell rows because that was part of the thing on the box. Like it said that when you pressed, you had to also do some pulling stuff. Yeah. So this is like we're talking just day one stuff. I love that shit, man. I love that <laughs> There was a kid that I worked out with and his older brother. We used to call him Captain Caveman because he looked like he had like long hair and he was like, he just was like a big brolic looking uh, like, I don't know. He looked like some kind of mutant savage, you know? So yeah. we thought he was really, we thought he would be really strong, you know? So we're like, oh, cool. Let's see what he can do. So we brought him in. And I remember he tried to do the weights I was doing and he, he like got pinned with it and couldn't do it the first time. We're like, for real? And uh, that was the first time I realized, I was like, man, this is doing something. This actually really works, you know? I'm actually getting stronger. And uh, I'm grateful that I got into it when I did like that early, but it just, it was, it was something that was always there, but it was never like the center, if that makes sense. Like it was just, uh, it was there. It was a long Just in the background, ride. just kind of every now and again, just, just taking your thoughts on whatever, but like ne never to the level that it is now. It was something I did, you yeah. know what I mean? Like it was something yeah. I did consistently. And when you're that young, like, what do you do consistently? It was like playing play like, sports when you're young. Like you might train like maybe yeah. a couple times a week. Like some some weeks you'd be like, oh, the weather's weather's bad outside. I'm <laughs> I'm gonna skip it this week. Like I'm not gonna have to training. And then like I was yeah, talking about this. I was talking about that the other day. Like when I started that around that time. Like the reason I started competing in sports at school, like I did wrestling, uh, was because there was a girl who was a cheerleader. And she was like, you should do wrestling. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do wrestling. I was going to do that anyway. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I'll wrestle. I'll wrestle. I'll wrestle everyone. <laughs> I was in there, like, I was in there, like, embarrassing people on the, on the Nautilus machines, you know? But I, as a wrestler, technically, I sucked. Like, I had no technique. But I would win because I was just really strong. I was so much stronger than the other kids because I've always had these big hands. So I could just grab a wrist and roll, you know what I mean? Like, so, you know, like I didn't have any technique whatsoever. And uh, there was only one time that I really lost because I was, I was bigger too. So most kids that were my size were fat, you know, so they were in my weight class. Because over a certain division, when you're younger like that, it's unlimited weight. So I was just into the unlimited weight class, but I, you know. I was in and great if, shape. If, like, if, if, if you slip into that category, you know you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to fight. If you're just getting over the edge, you're like, okay, it's going to be a roller coaster. Yeah, I thought, but most of the guys that I would end up seeing were like, had like boobs hanging out of their singlet, you know, because they were the, it's unlimited. So, you know what I mean? So I was like pretty jacked for a kid that age. And so, yeah, they would just, sometimes I would lock up with people at, at, at meets and they would be like, just pin me, just pin me. Where I'm like, why are you even doing this? Like your parents making you do this or something? Like, why are you here? You know? Yeah. You start yeah. taking like bribes. You're like, hey man, I'll, I'll, I'll pin you in this time. I'm going to need to see some cash on the front end. <laughs> yeah, we got to, we got to actually try for a little bit. So there was um one time I actually, somebody was just, I was just outmatched in terms of tech and I could tell he was already like, he was very fast and he was, much better than me but I had a good grip so I gripped him I gripped him up and I like fought my way to my feet picking him up and everybody was going crazy like in the whole gymnasium you know like parents and stuff because it was I, I don't think I had been beaten to that point and like I slammed him and you're not allowed to slam him oh. so like I like was standing up and I just like like basically power bombed him to the ground 
And, there was and I was like, like yeah. Like, I, and I remember, yeah, flood. Like, my coach ran over and was like, what are you doing? He's like, you got you to go down on top of them. I was like, you would have died. I didn't think that was a better option. You know what I mean? Like, I thought – I'm like, I was allowed to go down on him? I would have thought that would have crushed his lungs or something. But, yeah, apparently, you know, obviously you're not allowed to throw people in wrestling. But that was that was what happened there. So I just uh, – yeah, that was that. That was the end of my wrestling career because shortly thereafter I got kicked out of that school and a bunch of other schools in a row. Like, it was a, a series of issues with behavior. I was in – I was always in gifted classes, but I ended up having some behavior issues where I just was very rebellious against authority. and. Um, so I ended up in a school where there was a coach. His name was, I want to say his name was Mr. Davis, Coach Davis. He was like a teacher coach. He was the coach and the phys ed person. But he taught us about powerlifting. He taught me how to squat. You know, nothing real fancy. Just kind of put a broomstick on your back and keep your back straight. You know, he would like hold it on there, make sure your back was straight and be like, all right, squat down. Like, yeah. All right. If you, can do, if you can do that, you can squat. It took about five minutes to learn that. And then I started squatting regularly. and. That was – we had uh, high school records, like, within the school, too. And that was what – like, I had the bench record. That, that was the stuff that motivated me to keep pushing and being competitive with it because in school it mattered. Like, they had – they didn't have, like, a geared record or something like that. It was just what people could bench press. Yeah. So, like, or what, what people could squat, what, what they could deadlift. And I want to say I – th I think I had the deadlift, too, but I definitely had the bench for that school. And as it would creep up, there was another guy that was pretty strong. He was really training his ass off. Now, every time he would break my record, like he would train so hard and be there all the time. And like, he would break my record a little bit. And then Davis would pull me out of class and be like, uh, yo, uh, he broke your record. Do you want, do you want to take a shot at you it? You want back in? Yeah. He'd be like, do you want to beat it real quick? And I'm like, cause they, the, the, tr the trick was like, the reward was that they would announce it over the loudspeaker that the record had been broken from school and it's your name. Yeah. So like it was kind of a back and forth thing. Now this dude, every time he would beat it before they could announce it, I would beat it again. So they would, he'd be like waiting for his, his name to get announced. And then they would announce mine again and be like, he broke his own record. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. I love that. The fact you've got a teacher in there as well. Like, Hey, come on, let's, let's kick this kid's ass. From, from a from a coaching standpoint, I understand exactly what he was doing. I didn't at the time, but it's one of those things that later on I realized that like some people need positive reinforcement and some people need negative reinforcement, you know. And I knew that that's what was keeping the other kid doing it. I like actually know I know I remember his name. I don't want to say it, but that's what kept him doing it was that he was like oh like where if he could have just got it, it probably would have been enough. But because every time I was able to just scoop back in and. Like, really kind of just, just half-assing, I guess. I was able to still do it, which is genetic. It's a genetic predisposition. It's a talent. It's not something that you really earn more than other people. The fact that I started early allowed that to develop a little earlier than it does usually, I think. But other than that, I mean, it's nothing. there's nothing special about the fact that I was able to do it. It's just interesting to see how how that coach played played us off of each other in that way where he was like to me he was like hey come on you want to do this and to him so he was like oh i can't believe he beat you again you know like it was like you just keep it going you know <laughs> like it, but that's, that's what he needed um that was what he needed and uh sometimes yeah it's weird you know people's motivations are odd in that way you don't really know what's going to get somebody going but uh until you get to know them as a person i've had definitely i've had lifters that over the years i've worked with where i had one female who was really good she was elite she was a top level lifter 
And uh, she only responded to negative reinforcement. Like you couldn't be like, wow, you did so good. It would have to be like, I don't know if you're gonna be able to do that. Like, you think you can do that? Like, I would just like doubt, you know, <laughs> try that. And then they get that yeah, whole yeah, like, yeah. You know, certain people have that rebellious, <laughs> that spirit where they're gonna teach you, yeah, that they can do it. And I'm like, good, show me, you know? <laughs> That's good. That's what yeah. I want to see. As long as you're making yeah. progress, I'm going to say anything I need to to just keep this ball rolling forward. And like, I think that, that, that's, that's, that's a really smart thing about coaching, isn't it? It's like not one person is ever going to respond the same, which means that every single person is going to need their own different way and methodology of getting into their head and getting into their psyche. Because like you said, you, you, didn't, you didn't even realize what was happening, but you, you were being brainwashed from a young age to do exact, exactly yeah. what you needed to do. And it's like, Man, when you can find that at that age as well, that's a big old step up. Because when you know what what positively reinforces you, you then just subconsciously start seeking that out. And you start training and lifting with other guys that are, that are the same or the opposite. So then you have what you had there where you just create that competition. And it's like, okay, let's go. But that, I think if I had to like extrapolate the lesson for myself from that, it was that like the power of someone else having confidence in you and what that can do. You know, because like for me, it was him going like, are you ready? Come on, why don't you just come down and break this real quick? You know, and I'm like, it wasn't even a question of can you do it? It was like, come on, why don't you just like he hates when you do this and it's so easy that he's been training for that. And then you just blow by it because you weren't even testing maxes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I'm like, that must have been incredible, though, like to, 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 to see that talent in you. Like if you think about you had someone like you now and how much that must get you G'd up as a coach. For him, he must have been like, this kid's not even trying. And he's smoking everyone. That, well, it was, you know, I wonder, I wondered in my head, was he doing that because he really knew that I was going to be able to do it? Or was he, did he know that I was going to respond to that sort of encouragement? And uh, I did, obviously, respond to it. And, I mean, if you look at the results, they were pretty – it was manifest. It did, it did work out for the best. Those records are still there. So I stopped by that school maybe 10 years later, and I already was working in the field you know, in sports science. And I talked to him and he knew who I was and everything. He like had, he like had seen me on the internet and little things. And, and he was wow. like, Oh, it's, it's so good to see that you're doing this and that you're involved in this oh, now. And wow. yeah, so it was cool. And I looked and the records, like they're literally written with magic marker on a like poster board. Yeah. And it was still, it was still a record. <laughs> it was still there. I was like, this is amazing. Like, it was just such a moment in time where that was happening the back and forth. And that's what drew me to competition, I think. That's what first conditioned me for it. And now when I got out of high school, I say, you know, there was an interview. I saw a video of myself getting interviewed at like at nationals in bodybuilding. And, uh, and I was telling the story about how I did powerlifting in high school. And the, the bodybuilding seemed like the next logical step. And I wasn't saying that like, you know, in a tongue in cheek way, I really believed it was at that point because there wasn't really any avenue for raw. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, really, yeah, yeah. you didn't, get, you didn't, you didn't get any. No. And like in bodybuilding, I look at the weights I was using in bodybuilding and whoa, like more than I ever did when I went back to powerlifting, even because at that point I was older, you know, and uh, also when I did bodybuilding in the off season, I was like 330 pounds. So that's not, another part of it like I was a giant monster of a human so it's not really surprising to be able to handle those poundages mass but like mass, right? it really does there's something to it now that's not to say like you know like a Jay Cutler or somebody who trains exclusively for aesthetics is going to be strong 
because I'm sure you know many of them are not, you know, and I, I found that out also in bodybuilding when I came from a strength background. So I set up my training. It was pretty similar to fist set training, actually, what I did for bodybuilding with a little bit more emphasis on uh, volume, maybe. Maybe a little more emphasis on different exercises. And that was how I got the volume. So in other words, I would do, I'd still do the main movements, but then I would do like maybe only two sets each for like four or five movements after that, that were very intense. Okay. But, but you know what I mean? It was, I, I figured that if I, if I only can recover from 12 really hardworking sets, it should be six different movements. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. so that I'm hitting everything. And from a standpoint of like, you know, cross-section with fibers that makes sense you know what i mean doing the most inroad possible the most stimulus possible would be to hit everything from a different angle you know but i had to i knew that if i was to just annihilate from every angle i couldn't recover from that and that wouldn't benefit me so i always like i actually erred on the side of caution with my bodybuilding training in terms of the total amount of work i did and i think that allowed me to uh well towards the end i did in the beginning i was i was asinine with it I was doing like sets. I was doing multiple sets of 12 deadlifts and stuff like that, which I think was not necessarily beneficial, but you know, it's yeah, just like, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Not, optimal. not optimal. You know what I mean? I should say. Yeah. But at that time it was just about like, I would find things. If I found something to be difficult, I would not allow myself to make excuses. You know what I mean? I'd be like, oh, that's why I'm trying to find a way to rationalize not doing this. <laughs> you know? It's your own subconscious. You're like, hey, man, shut up, okay? Uh, yeah, yeah. I would, have to, I would have to have pep talks with myself. But, yeah, I mean, as, it, as time went on and I realized that bodybuilding was not for me, uh, I wasn't really – I was kind of lost to see at that point when I realized that, like, I had grown up looking up to bodybuilders and, like, that these people were these – I thought they were these beacons of health and, you know, and in actually, in actuality, that was not the case. And that, you know, the people who were my heroes became my peers and they weren't what I thought at all. Nothing was what I thought at all. These were just, a lot of them were just drug addicts and that looked good. Dude, and <laughs> you know? how much of a trip is that for like a young guy coming up? Like, it's so important that we have these, these role models that are setting the tone for, for these young men and women going forward. Because like you said there, it's like when you grow up and you feel, you just feel like you've been fed like a lie and you're like, what, what the hell, what the hell is this? And then if you've been doing that, you kind of feel like you're then, you're then part of that identity and you're like, ah, like I don't like the way this feels and it makes you want to get away from it. And it's like, I don't know. I, don't, I had a, I had a sort of moment of disenchantment, you know, where I, I often describe it as saying I felt like, you know, did you ever see The Wizard of Oz? Yeah. At the end of when the Mighty Oz, uh, when they, they pull back the curtain and they see him like working the levers, it's like this little man, it's like this little weak old man, like working the levers and then smoke's coming out and stuff, yeah. you know? <laughs> and, uh, that was what I felt like. It was like a, a moment of revelation where I'm like, wow, these these people are not what I thought they were. And these things are actually, you know, not good and they're hurting me and they're not helping me and they're not helping other people. And, uh, I mean, I, you can, you can argue to some degree that I knew that while I was going into it, I guess you make excuses and you make, um, compromise. Yeah. You can, it's easy, it's, it's easy to drown yourself by degrees with compromises. You know what I mean? And that was kind of what I did. And then eventually it was, okay, well, what's the point of the pretense now? And then I realized like, this is not what I want to do or who I want to be. 
And so when I lost that, my identity at that point was, you know, what I did. I was a bodybuilder. Like that was my identity. That was what I identified with more so than anything else. I'd abandoned, uh, you know, the, the pursuit of a career in medicine for the pursuit of a career in bodybuilding. And uh, like, it just kind of, it was a very different, I, I found myself in my, you know, mid twenties. And I was like, I was lost at sea. You know, I ended up going to prison. I ended up falling into, uh, <clears throat> into criminal activity and, and that lifestyle. And, yeah, I just, I definitely lost my way, you know, but in retrospect, I can see that, you know, God used those things to shape me and those experiences to kind of, to make me who I am now. And uh, so that I can help other people that are dealing with the same stuff, you know, it's oh, kind yeah. of, there's always, there's a reason, you know, you got to always ask yourself like, why, you know, and not like why, where you're like screaming at the sky, like why, but why were you like, ask yourself, like, what could this be for? What, 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 what purpose could this have? in my life the suffering the suffering or the mistakes i've made how could this be used for good and in my experience if you ask yourself those things or if you seek those answers uh, sincerely you know god's faithful to reveal that stuff to you you know it definitely definitely has been the case for me you know yeah but that's man, that, that, that's incredible that you obviously know at first because hence why you kind of fell into that but to have that foresight to be like okay, this is my situation. This is what happened. This is what's happened. What am I, what am I going to do next? Like, what am I going to do now? How am I going to move forward? Like, what is the purpose for this? Why have I had to go through this? What have I got to learn about myself to then move forward as a human being? Because dude, like when none of us are given the answers on day one, hell no. We're just given millions and millions of freaking questions that we have no idea what are the answer to. And for a lot of people, most of us don't even, yeah, most of us don't even, we're not even given people that have the answers, you know what I mean? To well, ask, that's exactly so. what I was going to say. Like, like loads of these people that don't have the, the moms and dads about that, you know, that, that don't give them that guidance. It's like, what, what do the, these kids do then? Well, they then turn to the streets and they, they, they learn this for themselves. And then, you know, you have the opportunity where you, you know, it's the redemption arc or. <laughs> You're not going to be around yeah, very long. You know what I mean, man. And and, and, and to be able to come on the other side, that's that's crazy. That's my that's my experience too. You know, was that you know you learn from, or you embrace what you what you're around. You know, which was the street. And uh, you know, I knew that I had certain skills and I had a value, but it wasn't it wasn't my true value. You know, and uh, I had things that I could do, but they were things I could do because I had been conditioned from you know a lifetime of exposure to those elements and not having a very holistic understanding of my role in things where I needed to be you know what I mean I kind of felt that that was my talent was was more darkness was more the bad things and I realized like you could you could have those abilities those capabilities and and that doesn't mean anything that doesn't mean that that's your calling you know I think that's a misuse of potential it's a misuse of, of, of yeah. gifts you know, and uh, it's easier. It, se it seems easier. It's actually not easier. It's easier at first, you know, but uh, yeah, it's, it's really easy to give into that sort of self-worship, like where you are the center of the universe and everything revolves around how things affect you. And uh, when you take yourself out of it and you learn to take your own ego out of it, everything becomes more clear. Everything becomes a little easier to chew up and swallow, 
That's it. It's exactly what you said. It's that three-letter word, man. It's that ego. And, you know, you, you either get ego checked because someone bigger and badder and uglier and stronger comes along and puts you in your place. And you're like, okay, well, or like the, the route that you go down and you kind of get, get caught up with a lure and then you kind of have it from that end of things. And it's like, but eventually, eventually that ego is going to get checked. You know what I mean? El Chapo got it. Yeah. <laughs> the biggest of the big well, guys got it. Do you know what I mean? It's like you're not going to escape yeah. it, thinking, thinking you're, you know, you're untouchable. I don't think there's enough circuit. There's, there's any circumstance in the world that can force you to get it, though. That's the problem. Like prison is full of egos. You know, like it's this day. But it's a know, journey. I, I think learning to let go of your ego is that's yeah. the journey. It's, it's not, it's not the destination. It's like that. Yeah. That is something that takes a long time to be able to do and the bigger your ego was at the beginning the longer the journey is to get rid of it it's a process for sure you know um again like for me personally like what that looks like is faith that it's part of something bigger that it's part of a plan that i may not that i may not fully be able to understand or articulate but that doesn't make it any less important or true and uh when you just accept that everything gets a lot easier. You know, this is part of something greater. You know, I know, I know who I'm working for. I know who I'm serving. And then that's it. That's really it. That's all you have to do. That's the simplest version of it. Obviously there's unlimited complexity to it and you can take it as far as you want in terms of, in terms of, you know, analysis, like there's obviously multiple levels of analysis and it's, I think it's common for something to have, a different valence at different levels of analysis so like something might look good on the surface like i'll give you an example like you're eating a piece of chocolate cake like you see some chocolate cake on one level that's got a very positive balance because you're hungry chocolate cake has a lot of calories it'll keep you alive it'll sustain you you know but if you're somebody who's obese and has heart disease you know then on that on a different level of analysis that has a total that has a very negative balance because it's high in cholesterol and it's high in calories and it's high in saturated fats and a bunch of other things that are going to, you know, that you need to avoid personally. So it really is about like how much depth you're willing to look at, like how many different how many levels you're deep you going to go. Most things are ambivalent. Yeah. Most things are ambivalent. You know, most things are have more than one balance, you know? So then it's a matter of weighing the pros and cons. And uh, I think that's a skill that takes time. You talk about like you know letting go of the ego that's a, that's something that takes time but part of it is really understanding why you're letting go of the ego that you're not capable of assessing these unlimited because it's there's an infinite multiplicity of levels of analysis right oh, so no. if you say hey too much like my brain can only like you know i would consider myself to be like a, a at least a moderately intellectually gifted individual i know there's a limit to how much I'm able to analyze effectively and without becoming like paralyzed. You know, it's a common saying, you know, paralysis by analysis, like in yeah. we talk about that a lot, right? Like you're overanalyzing what you do. Is this, is this the right? Just do it. Just do something that fits the criteria of what you need for stimulus. But then there are people that have, they have a legitimate need for that, for that analysis. Even if it's not doing anything, it's doing something for them in terms of feeding neurosis or something like that, you know? So there, that's why people do different, do, do better with different programs with different levels of complexity. You know, uh, I think that's the biggest impact on someone's training is not necessarily that 
the certain training is better for them specifically physically it's just it meets those uh psychological and emotional needs better you know yeah because so, like you've said it before there are many many ways to skin a cat i don't know why you want to skin a cat but there are many ways to do it <laughs> there's a lot of ways to do it yeah hopefully we don't skin cats but like if you, you know, <laughs> yeah. Like it's an old saying. I don't know where these sayings come oh, from. Yeah, but like, neither yeah. do I, man. Neither do I. It's crazy. But yeah, but yeah, it's true. There's more. Than, there's really. I believe there's only one best way, though. That's the truth, you know. Uh, and when I say best way, I mean that's that's weighing all all of the levels of analysis, you know. Like there has to be something that we can say is okay. This is enough to give you the stimulus that you need. This is enough uh, attention to complexity. This is enough attention to detail. And more than this will begin to have a negative effect. You know, we'll begin to take away from it. So that's how I, that's how I would identify what's best, yeah. you know, but then again, those things may change marginally for the individual. I think we do, we do put a lot more. We like to see ourselves as highly individualized and unique uh, organisms, which we're not, you know, we're most humans are. When everyone's similar. unique, no one is. <laughs> Right. Exactly. You're right. Well, and, and like how much more so is that true with, with lifting? Because when you, when you look at like, like, so for example, like what is the, there's, there's an analogy I like to use here for this, right? Like you're going to a cardiologist, you know, and you're like, I don't know, something's going on with my heart. Doc, I need you to, to check me out. And he's like, all right, well, we're going to do this echocardiogram. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's the right test for my heart, Doc. You know, he's like, it's not, it's not, just shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. It's the right test. Shut up. You know what I mean? Like for every, your heart's not that special. It's not that unique. This is what we, not to say that you don't have a unique and very special value as a person. And there are aspects of your character and, and you know, yeah, that, are, that yeah. are totally unique. But you're not that special that you have to adjust your training that much. I mean, like. It is where we're far more similar than we are different, you know, as a species humans. Uh, we would like to pretend we're not, you know, then there's, there's, I feel like half the world is living in a state of make believe anyway. So it's really kind of like this, this whole. I think it might be more than half the world, bro. I think it might be more than half the world at this point. <laughs> it, falls on, it falls on deaf ears, sadly, but it's a nice, you know, it's a nice thought. It's a nice thought that, uh, yeah, you're right, though. I agree with you. <laughs> it's, it's more than half the world. I'm, I'm being generous there. Yeah. But, you know, I, we got to keep we got to keep having those conversations and talking about it. And then hopefully eventually it'll those seeds will fall on fertile ground. You know what I mean? Well, that's that's exactly it, man. That's exactly it is that for, for a lot of people is that they can hear those things. They can hear those messages, whatever it might be, but it might not be the right time for them. Like there would have been right. times probably like in your misguided youth where people spoke about training or people spoke about doing this, these positive things. But your mind wasn't ready to take that in there. So you had to go through and you had to do all those things. You had to get in trouble. You had to be put in prison. You had to be put into that environment where you were given uh, a very small amount of, uh, you know, uh, ways that, 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 that you could go down, like paths that you could go down, things that you could get involved with. And then by doing that, you were then presented with the opportunity to yeah, what and I do think with it. Like, you're you're right. In, in, to some degree, there is that individuality, but you know, there's it comes with that. If you're going to accept that, I think there's a necessity for submission to the idea that you know what I mean. There is a sort of 
there's something larger that you're part of at play, you know, and that if you accept that, it makes it so much easier to, to keep rolling and to know that the experiences, the hardships, the adversity, all of these things are friction and God is using it to polish you for something that you don't even know yet. You know what I mean? Like you don't even have, you can't even like you're, there's been times in my life where I thought for sure, I'm like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do for a living. I'm going to do with my life and I'm going to focus on these skills. And like you develop the skills and it turns out you were developing them for something else, you know, like you don't, so don't be too rigidly attached to what you think is going to become your identity or your future because you don't know. That's what I always say that to people. People are like, Oh, uh, what about what I want? And it's like, well, you don't know what you, you don't have any idea what you want. Like it's good. What you actually think you want now, wait till you get that. You know? Exactly. Seriously, God forbid you get what you God forbid you get what you want because it's happened to me before where and then to have that realization that like, okay, all the things I was working towards, I have them now. I'm here. Like the, and then now what? To, to to feel that deflation in yourself where you realize like I thought things would be better now and they're not. Nothing's different. I'm just as empty, I'm just as hollow. So what do I do now? I, I focus on a new task, knowing that when I get there, it's going to feel like this. It's uh, it's it becomes life becomes a, a rat, like a rat wheel, like a running wheel for a hamster. Yes, exactly. You know what I was I mean? say it's and it, and then it's yeah. a downward spiral negative habit, isn't it? So you're just reinforcing the negativity, and you're reinforcing the negativity. So then all you're taking in is your subconscious is negativity. All you're giving out to everyone is your negativity, which only then feeds your negativity. So, and then you just have to get into, you have to get into that like, then you have to blow up and then you have to start again. I heard somebody talking about this actually um, in, in a way that makes perfect sense to me too. And, and if you look at it, it applies to everything. Like people that are successful, if you look at the way their lives are set up, right? And it's not saying like, hey, model your life after people that are successful and you'll be successful. I mean, that might be, there might be something to that, that train of, of logic. But people that are successful, they, they typically, um, whoa. Sorry, I, dude, I, someone looked like they were just going to, this girl with a mask on just looked like she was going to get into my car. <laughs> I was like totally distracting me. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, it was, I think it was the wrong car because I'm assuming that there's another gray. <laughs> that could have been very fun yeah that would have been interesting if she opened the door because i'm sitting here like hey i got the, hey, with the, the visor <laughs> thing down so you really <laughs> yes all right this is my car i don't even remember what we were just talking about uh oh that's what it was okay let me let me bring it back here so there was uh the positive and negative feedback loops right so even if you look at this from a perspective of say you're a personal trainer right and you got one client you might have one client and you do really good with that one client and that person can tell other people, right? Now you got say three clients they got three clients. They can tell other people you got nine and so forth. So all these positive things can feed po more positive things. Right. And so that's why someone who's further along, that's already got even a modicum of some modicum of success, whatever, some amount of success, they have enough resources that when they start to do positive things, other people are like, wow, look at this guy doing positive things. And that feeds in more positive things. And that's a positive feedback loop. But just the way that happens, something goes wrong in your life and you allow that to spiral into where you make another bad decision, right? Be it out of anger or resentment or spite, who knows? You continue to make bad, every one of those bad decisions, just like when you did a good thing, 
other people saw it and it fed into more positivity and people wanted to help when you did a bad thing and then you did another bad thing because you were mad about the consequences of the bad thing all that stuff feeds into itself and gives a negative feedback loop and that's why when you see people that are always failing there's certain characteristics that they have that are universally possessed among that group right like that's it like they all have that like and that's what that is they all have that negative life isn't fair things were done to me what is me I'm in, yeah. a, I'm in a position that's unfair this isn't fairness like they do a lot of talk about fairness but if you see those people and the way that they operate you'll never see them doing things to be fair for other people you know what i mean like they'll never be concerned about fairness among other people that doesn't involve them and that tells you all you need to know about the motivations right so that is a perfect example of like a negative feedback loop and those people typically like they hover like maybe not at the very bottom because they're loud and anyone that's speaking loudly you know there's a certain amount of people that are going to want to get involved but they all then they all just sort of tumble around the bottom for a while whereas the people that are at the top even the ones that that's not to say that people who are at the top are going to be kind or even good but even the ones that are at the top that are all business you know you know when you talk to somebody it's all business like you got five minutes go you know but even those people they know when something's positive to reward it with positivity yeah you know what i mean yeah. they know how that works because that's how they got where they're like okay well what you're saying is good there's some merit to that let's do that okay good like they might be rushed and you might i might feel a little bit depersonalized or whatever but the end result is that they're they're just like an effective machine you know that's somebody that's like making those this is positive this is good this is good this could lead to good this could lead to good and they're just rolling you know what yeah. i mean those are the ones that are the, those are the high producers those are the people that will like those will be like, for example, economic drivers in an economy. Those are the ones that are going to get things done. They're, they're going to start businesses. They're going to come up with new ideas. You know, they're going to move because the, it really does revolve around positivity and negativity. I hate to get, I hate to make things as, as generalized as that because well, what's, what's no, but positivity? I think it all does stem from that. It does. Like it, 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 even just for a small amount and at any one time that there is always going to be a ratio of good to bad, but you can, you can really massively influence that with, your environment and your own mental health and then the the principles that you're putting in place for yourself to not let yourself right. get picked up by all these negative stimuli from day to day which is so freaking easy to pick up man do you know what i mean and the, the, um, you I mean, pick them up this, quick and then it just snowballs and then before you know it you're like wait i'm having the worst day ever and it's half seven in the morning what's going on it's cancer right and like so cancer what does cancer do? It metastasizes, it spreads. It doesn't just chill out and die off on its own ever, right? It, it spreads, it gets into everything. It gets into the bones, the framework of the whole situation, right? It's kind of like doubt too. I feel like doubt is also a cancer, but that negativity. And now this is an interesting effect here, right? Even when it's not necessarily goodness, but it's positivity, it does seem to have that same sort of, it gets traction and it gets that same sort of uh, feedback effect right? Like where you hold a microphone in front of a speaker, that kind of feedback, it's just louder and louder and you can't, it's a screeching, horrible noise. But like, it does have that, like even with like, so we hear these terms now like body positivity and sex positivity and all these other things where it's like, okay, well, you know, like the idea of like healthy at any size and these things that we know, we just know are untrue from science, like from a scientific standpoint, like from a, there, well, there's we not really know it's any, true, which is why it's painful for us. Right, right. Like when you see the stuff and you read, like, and you'll say, like, this is healthy, like the pictures on magazines. It's like, but based on what? 
<laughs> yeah, like, well, your, your ECG results would say something completely different to, to, to what this Let's, lady writing yeah. this article has said. It's like, <laughs> I'll put it to you like this, right? I would be more receptive to it if next to the picture, if they had like a lipid profile for that yeah. person. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. What, what do your lipids look like, right? What does your, your blood sugar look like, like fasted? It's like top right? trunks, what, like average yeah. Joe and whatever, and it's like cholesterol, average heart rate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah because there is a statistically significant difference in health at various body weights. And so much so that like, that's what we, that's what insurance is based on, right? So they have the largest bank, the largest wealth of data of anyone is insurance companies because their entire, their entire deal revolves around being able to regulate how much you can charge somebody based on the likelihood that they're going to have a sickness. So they're not, they don't care how you look. They're looking, you know what I mean? They're going with statistics. Statistics don't have feelings. Like it's not even a matter of that. So I also, so I do feel like I'm not saying that anyone should be judged based on their size or their appearance, but this is a good example of misleading the public. You know, like you are at risk if you don't have diabetes or heart disease yet, like you will and sooner than you would, you know, that's not to say that you're less of a person or you have less value to God or, or you have less value to provide to the people around you in your life. But I mean, if you care about yourself, you have to have a certain amount of honesty that, that stays in the mix. Like you have to be honest with yourself and we're not only not being honest with ourselves, we're not being honest with each other. We're pretending like, you know. It's like the same as saying like, oh, well, cats are dogs. Like, well, they're not. You know what I mean? Like, they're just as good as dogs. You could argue that you're a cat person, you're a dog person. But cats aren't dogs. And like, being 400 pounds is not the same thing as being 200 pounds. You have kidneys. You feel like like at 400 pounds that you feel as good as you think you would feel at 200 pounds. You don't know that because you're not 200 pounds. You're 400 pounds. (laughs) And if you're not, you know, I'm not. I'm not dead yet. Like, oh, yeah. okay, yeah, you're not dead yet. I guess that's a good argument. But like, let's take a look at you know many people that are 400 pounds at 70 years old. Can you think, think of one? So. I don't think so. Right. so that's, my, that's my point, right? So that's my point. And so if we go with that, then obviously you're going to die sooner when you're heavier, right? You're going to suffer sooner with the ailments that are associated with the end of your life. The end of your life problems are going to show up at 40 instead of 65. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which when you're 40, like I'm 40. You're supposed to still be living and enjoying your life. You're supposed to still be healthy. You know what I mean? There are situations where that's not the case, but it's avoidable in many cases. The more we learn, the more we know. We can't just pretend we don't know those things because they're, you know, they're not kind to a certain group of people or they're not as that, honestly, I don't even want to say they're not kind. I think it I think that the kindest thing you can do to someone is tell them the truth. And, you know, obviously do it in a way that's not judgmental of them as a person, you know, and again, like I'm not judging people or what led them to where they are, but I can tell you for, I'll give you a really good example. I used to work with, I used to work with a lot of obese women. I had like a, a women's boot camp type thing. Right. And I did a lot of weight loss. I've had, I've had 13 women lose over a hundred pounds and I've had like five women that lost 200 pounds. Right. One of them was on my, was on my team. And one of them was on my, my powerlifting team at one point where it turned out she was actually good at lifting and losing that weight was pushed in a different direction. I think she, she met her husband on my team and they got married and they have kids and they're off. I don't even talk to them anymore, but it's so uh, sick. So the reason I actually bring this up is she was part of a family that came to me. It was a, a mother, her sister and her, and they were all, you know, they were all obese. They were all quite obese. 
And she was actually about 400 pounds when she started with meth. She was 408 pounds. They all lost a lot of weight. Mother got taken off of diabetes medication altogether just from losing weight, just from lifting weights and training and, and so forth, you know? So like, hmm, that right there should be a pretty good indicator that you're not healthy at any size if we can change your size and it has a dramatic impact on, on health metrics, right? So like common sense there, right? So and lying to the public, like lying to the public and saying that this is healthy is wrong, you know? And I don't know, like, I, I don't understand how it's considered conscionable. I, I I, I really don't. I don't understand how people are okay with this or getting behind it. Cause it's again, like if you were saying like that your value was the same, I'm all for it. Clap. If you're saying that you have every right to still wear certain outfits, I'm like, yeah, okay, go, go for it. Feel good about yourself. But if you're going to, we're going to play pretend now, we're going to live in the pretend world where all the things we know are actually not facts. They're just like inconvenient things that we're going to ignore when they don't tell us what we want. Yeah. Like, you can't you can't ignore the laws of science when it suits you. Yeah, that's the problem. Is that we look at it like a menu. Yeah, you know, like science. Science is a menu. Like I'm pro science. Like you, you got to believe in science. Don't be a science denier. But then like, oh, but these parts of it, like, no, I don't want. Just give me this and this. You know, it's but like no, dude, it doesn't work. It's the, it, but it's the exact same thing with like the like the the veganism standpoint and whatever. And people are make these ridiculous, outrageous claims and whatever, saying that they're on like this scientific standpoint and you're like okay but within that all of the facts and figures that you're reading isn't true you know it's it's it's, it's from it's from a source that isn't viable it's from a study that wasn't complete properly and it's like so even, yeah. even then it becomes difficult you know what i mean like it's it is a real minefield yeah. and to be able to operate operate your way through it is difficult and this is why often a lot of times we can't necessarily do it by ourselves because we can think is that it, we see through something impossible? that we need someone else. Is it impossible to do well as a vegan and still lift and so forth? No. Is it hard? It's harder. Yeah, it's much harder. It's harder just from the, from the fact of the matter that you actually are going to have a much more difficult time organizing meals. Like, right here, you know what I mean? I'll give you an example. I got like 60 grams of protein on me right here that you could not have if you were vegan. You know what I mean? Like that's, it's so much easier. It's so much easier from that standpoint. The world is set up to not do that. And again, when you're looking at like, if you're going to compare a group of people that are living a certain lifestyle to others, you know, you have a very small minority of the population that's involved in that, like a fractional percentage of the population. So you don't really have enough data. And when you get more data, a clearer picture emerges. So like under ideal conditions, could this work? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Is it going to be harder for you to do that? Is it going to maybe be impossible for you to do that if you have a normal life? Yeah, that's also very possible. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like it's, yeah. And I mean, there are, it's like to what degree do you do it? But I mean, veganism is, is obviously at that point, it's, that's tough. You know, it's harder. And I'm not making any sort of moral judgment about it or, or what have you, or what motivations are right or wrong to have and pursue something like that. But you have to understand that when you're taking that on your back, you're taking on more work than you would otherwise. It's going to be harder. It's not going to be easier. It's not like you just adopt a vegan lifestyle and now your heart disease is going to go away. Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> it's not like you just adopt a vegan lifestyle and now you're not going to get heart disease. Absolutely not. In fact, there are plenty of plant sources like palm oil for things that are just still going to have the same Bro, effect. French you know fries I mean? are still vegan. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like consider it from that standpoint, like, 
Yeah. I mean, and if you break it down even further, like vegetarian, like basically most foods that are junk foods are still vegetarian. You know, you can live on only those, (laughs) you know what I mean? And still be following a vegetarian diet. So again, it's like, there's, there is no simple category change that will resolve all of the issues in something that is as convoluted and complex as nutrition. You can't just say, Oh, I'm just going to omit this certain food group and everything will be okay. It's really more about having a holistic understanding of many factors. And like, like most complex issues, this is something that's multifactorial. So it's not like there's just one cause. There's no single cause. You couldn't possibly. Yeah. I mean, I think that anyone who's worth their weight is not going to ever try to, is not going to ever try to pursue eliminating a single cause you know, as, as going to be as, 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 as a recipe for it or a solution for a problem. Okay. You know, I don't, I don't think that that could work. You have to understand that there's so much at play. Like it would be like telling people to do cardio, to lose weight, like cardio stimulates appetite. So you're going to eat more. <laughs> so if you're just, that's the only thing you're looking at, you're probably going to gain weight. You know, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of play. There's a lot, there's a lot to consider. And all of these things I think are like it, the fitness industry is a microcosm for the rest of the world. I think that all these problems sort of leach out and uh, seep into everything else. And um, it's, it's, if you use the same problem solving tools, you can solve these problems and, and those problems alike. Dude, hundred percent. I always say this is, is it, it's like the, the gym is a reflection of, of, of our own lives and stuff that we're doing. Do you know what I mean? And, and the problems that we are faced with in the gym environment will condition us to be able to conquer ultimately more outside of the gym because we are training. We're training. And what happens when you train, you make adaptations and you get better at stuff if you're training correctly, <laughs> which is a whole different topic in and of itself. But if you're doing that... Uh, yeah, the psychological component of that too, you know, not just the physical adaptations, but learning. Oh, dude, I think like the psychological is, is the the biggest thing that you take away from it, right? Because, oh, I mean, like for, for, for you, 100%. you obviously, you always had that switch in your head and you always had that, you know, that ability to be aggressive with the weight or on the street or whatever it is, but then being able to bottle that and utilize that at the right moment in the right situation with the right pretense following it gives you the, the correct result. Where there are many times where you want to go off like a rocket, but it isn't the time and you miss it. And it's like, oh, damn, now I've created all of these problems rather than actually being able to execute the one task that I wanted to freaking do in the first place. Right, which is probably that task is probably the reason that you have those things inside of you. You know, whatever, the, whatever the, the correct application is probably the reason that you have those talents. You know, like even if you consider, if you think about like Jung and shadow integration, and the idea that like you may have negative aspects of your character that are there for a reason that's not negative, you know, that are there in a, in a, to, to serve a positive purpose. And you have to learn to integrate those aspects of who you are, you know, in a way that is going to be healthy psychologically, emotionally, maybe, you know, obviously spiritually is, is a big concern for me too. And uh, once you do that, you're free of them. They're helpful. They're useful. When you deny them or just cut them off or push them away or don't, you know what I mean? Don't acknowledge them. Then they show up on their own autonomous. And, you know, when you're drunk or when you're angry or when you're tired. Yeah. Uh, and now what? What are you going to do now? What are you, you going to do now? It's like, well, you can't run. You're so gonna do, 
what you want. You're going to do what, what it wants you to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Instead of having that control and dealing with those things ahead of time and finding ways to integrate those things in a healthy way where it could actually be serving a purpose that's a greater purpose and not uh, a momentary uh, selfish whim, you know? Which is so Ego, easy to what do. have you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you're right. It's, it's extremely easy to do. Uh, it's, not a, it's not easy to live with, though. So, like, this is a good example of things on the short term being easy that make things on the long term very hard. Almost nothing that is easy or rewarding on the short term is any good on the long term. You know, think of it that way. That's a, I think that's a good that's a good general rule, a good rule of thumb. If something is going to be easy for me to do and fun and rewarding right now, it's probably going to derail things that would take longer. Like, yeah, so short term gain, long term pain, or short-term pain long-term gain you've got you've got to choose which side you want to play everything in life but i mean even in training like look at taking maxes in the middle of a training cycle randomly and just because you want to because you want to feed your ego or you want to have something to post on instagram and it's like okay well you have your reward that's it you know what i mean it's gonna it's gonna cost you everything moving forward is gonna get screwed potentially gonna derail an entire you know macro cycle you know your whole training cycle is gonna go on the toilet so that you could have 30 seconds of glory you know and uh it's stupid it didn't even mean anything it wasn't even a meet it doesn't even count you know what i mean <laughs> just want to make sure just want to make sure that i'm making just want to make sure that i'm making progress i don't know what happened there it just kind of did some <laughs> did, it, did it did it block you for a minute did yeah yeah, yeah. The, the video dropped for a second but it's all good man it's all good yeah, yeah. but yeah you get i think you i think you got the meat of what i was saying there yeah man yeah 100 yeah. percent. cool it's uh it's 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 crazy it's crazy uh, like when we really think about all these different opportunities that we're presented with all these different opportunities to learn on on a daily basis about ourselves and our environment and how we interact between them both it's uh it's, it's pretty pretty crazy and i think you know i think uh the the gym is an incredible resource and tool for for people to really help take that journey of self-discovery do you know what i mean like we learn a hell of a lot about ourselves when we are at the bottom when we're beat up when we don't think that there's anything else left to give and someone comes along and goes hey like you got more in you and you're going to do it and you're going to prove to yourself that you can do it and you do it and it's like wow it just goes to show that even I know nothing about myself. Do you know what I mean? And then that kind of, that journey of discovery of, well, how far can I take this? That's A little encouragement. That's what a little encouragement can do. You know what I mean? Like it's crazy Paying to have somebody. Life. I'm talking about right now, we're having a conversation about a guy that, you know, I haven't seen or, well, you know, when that stuff happens 20 plus years ago, you know? And that's that's the thing is we we underestimate the positive impact we can have. You know, we also underestimate the negative impact we can have, which is just as important. But I mean, I think that yeah. So I'd look at like any time when someone reaches out to me or asks me for help or asks me for advice or for a, a minute of my time if I can spare it, I try to do it because. You know, I know how it's felt to reach out to people to have help, you know, to, to ask, to actually have the courage to ask someone for help and to be denied or not get it. So, like, if, if I'm put in that situation, I'm at least going to take the time to listen to somebody and offer them a word of encouragement, you know, because that, that is the positive effects of that are incalculable. 
and if you look at it like on a like a chaos theory level right and the same thing goes for the opposite for not helping when you could the negative effects are also incalculable you don't know how far how far reaching that will go you know what i mean you're not taking a moment to be kind to somebody or to give somebody a little bit of encouragement you don't know what kind of a negative impact that could have on their life and everyone else's life as a result so you know just kind of being mindful i think of the impact that we have on people is huge and it's something that may take it may take you know 20 or 30 years of fumbling with it before you really get a handle on what's happening but once you do it's it's a responsibility that you can see very clearly we all have and only some of us are accountable about you know yeah man and it gets so. trippy as well because like you know you think about when you started out and like i talk about this quite a lot on the podcast like man when you start out with your hulk hogan set like so your your social circle was like however many people you knew in your area do you know what i mean before you could drive anywhere man it was like what the the people from your school maybe the kids from your hood it's like now man you wake yeah. up at like 6 a.m you open that up and you got twenty thousand people that are sending you messages and videos and whatever and it's like then when you get i take that it gets crazy I take that as, you know, and I didn't, I, I kind of took it, I took it for granted for a long time, but I take that as, as a responsibility. I look at it like God has given me those people to influence, you know what I mean? And there's a reason that that's the people that they are. It's a very sick, it's a sick group of people. I'm not saying that in like from a place of judgment, like, oh, you're sick. But I mean, like people that are just struggling with things that are easily resolvable, you know, and uh, they're, they're, they're sick and they need a physician. And so how can I be in a position where I have an influence over a large group, like you said, you know, it's a modest group in reality, but you know, in the scheme of things, but it's a, it's much larger than maybe typical. How could I be in a position of influence over those people and not help them when I have, when I have what they need, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like when I know like, Hey, I've been in that same sick situation and I can, I can help you. And so I try, I try to do it. You know, the thing is you gotta, it's gotta be scalable because I don't, I, for a long time, I was answering every DM directly. I was, uh, and that kills you. Taking well. time. I would get up in the morning and I literally would spend 40 minutes every morning, 45 minutes or so responding to DMs for everyone that had questions about my method, you know, because I wanted to make sure that they were okay to, to run it. And, uh, it's thousands of people and there's no limit to the amount of questions I'll get. So then I realized my heart's in the right place. I want to help these people and answer them, but I have to find a way to do it, you know, so that, that would be, you know, that's going to help more people at once. So that was when I started doing the questions and stuff on my story. And that way, like, you know, I get on average about like four or 5,000 people see the story, you know? So like, if I answer a question on there, it might be 4,000. Honestly, when I'm doing all the questions, it'll drop and it'll go down and be like 3,000, 4,000. But that's three, 4,000 people all heard me answer that question not one person. And a lot of them are the same questions. Like if you've watched any, if you've ever watched regularly when I do the questions, like out of, I probably get a hundred questions every time I put the box up, I'll maybe do 25. And uh, out of, if you listen to one time to the next, maybe five of that 25 will be the same question next time. And it's just the same. It, there's always the repeated questions. And I remember talking to Dave about this, Dave Tate years ago. And what we were saying was like, you know, you might answer a hundred thousand, 200,000 questions in your career as a coach but they're the same 50 questions. Yeah, yeah. 
answering them thousands of times, you know, and, and that's the truth. So I wanted to like the same concept with the method. I wanted to answer those questions and have them. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start, I'm going to continue to farm questions from Instagram and I'm going to, I'm starting a YouTube channel and a, and a podcast over there. And yes. uh, I'm going to actually, I'm going to put like a, a resource on there for people so they can search, you know, an indexed searchable answer to each question. So that way, I can just direct them to that because I've already answered all these questions a million times. So there you go. There's a good explanation of what this is. I'll get into a little more detail than I could in a 15, 30 second or so answer. You know, I get in a little more detail and do individual videos for all those. So I think that'll be, you know, then there's no limit to how many people can see with each question I answer because my time is limited. You know, there's only, we only have so many hours in the day. And you're I'm only one guy. Do you know what I mean? Like you're, yeah. you're, the way that you do things is so beautifully, authentically you and just you. You don't have this team of like 20, 30 people doing all this programming underneath you that you could just, just shovel onto all of this other stuff. Like you have some of these really, really big influences that you're like, okay. I'm getting up all the train with this person, but this person isn't even training me. So you have to question like, what, what yeah. is the point? But like people sitting here listening <laughs> to this I'm podcast, much. like listening to you answer all of those questions. I, I sit here and I go, I don't know how many people I know that, that would have, have that kind of obsession to go through and keep on doing that. And for me, that screams out, okay, this, this is someone that, desperately wants to get better as a coach but he also wants to get better at communicating as well and it's like well those two things together yeah. make you a great coach and it's, it's you know it's it's, it's no no like there's no luck involved in you being coach of the year do you know what i mean like that's the foundations have been set because man there are so many people that, that that train people that don't care about people that don't don't care and it's like the people that do and the people that put in that time, man, they're, they're the people that are going to go far and they're the people that are going to actually change people's lives. You know what I mean? Thank you for saying that, first of all. But actually, like, it's funny you say this about, the, uh, about like, famous coaches like Kevin. I know of people that are literally doing a paid internship where they pay like $10,000 to intern for some coach. And what they're getting in exchange for that money that they're paying for the internship is they're doing all of his online coaching work. Like so people think that he's their coach and it's actually interns talking to him and grading their stuff and responding. Yeah. Where like, it's just, the just degree of this shake your head, man. It's, it's so sad to see. The dishonesty is, is, is rough, man. You know, and everything is marketing too. People are trying to sell a certain image or, or they're trying to like, what they'll do is um, like these headhunters where they'll like try to attack people that are successful. You know what I mean? And like, they, okay, well, guess what? Like everybody knows that when all you do is talk about other people and like trash their stuff, talk about yourself. Cause it's pretty clear that you don't have anything to say about yeah. yourself. <laughs> what you're offering. What are you bringing to the table? Like, you're never going to see me like just critiquing someone else. Like, okay, I might, if a specific, if we're having a conversation about sports science and a specific training philosophy comes up and I, I might point out some issues that I see with it, certainly if I'm asked directly, then I will. But you're never going to see me like spending time and doing research so that I can like try to make less of someone else's way of doing things. Like it either works or it doesn't, man. And it's pretty obvious at this point, if you know who the person is, there would have been a whole ton of people going, this doesn't work. This isn't good. If, if truly it wasn't. But a lot of, there's a lot of, our, our industry is plagued with scientism, 
you know, not science, scientism, like where it's almost like a weird religion of how can I take what is a relatively simple concept and make it into something so complicated that you need me. Like yeah. you got to pay me to know. You better, I can't, I'll give you, I'll send you your workout for next week, next week. Cause you yeah, better yeah. not. It's not like, if you can't predict what someone's going to do within a certain range, if you can't predict what their recoverability and adaptability is within a certain range and they're paying, like, why are you why are they paying you like you're just guessing you're just what you're gonna see oh they did good okay now i'm gonna change this like in my opinion unless yeah i mean i would say that your your performance within training is really only useful in as much as it's a, a useful predictor of how much fatigue you're accumulating right so it's a good sign of when you need to, to back off but it really it's not like you're getting so strong within a training cycle that i need to maximize your training benefit by increasing or decreasing the amount of weights that you're going to use or how hard things it's like <laughs> dude there's a valley between what you need to do right in order to get the the adaptations that you want right and what you're capable of doing in a given session and if you're hanging out and flirting on this side you're messing up that's all there is to it there's you're 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 flirting with danger you're going to get injured you're going to railroad your success because there is a point of diminished return and it's like right around here it's not all the way over even though you can do more in a session you shouldn't ask yourself what can i do you should ask yourself what's going to benefit me the most what's optimal right yeah because there is a huge difference between what's optimal and what you're able to get done in a session because i could kill myself in a session you know what i mean i could do Literally, I could probably do like 50 lifts at 80% in a session. What's that going to avail me though? Injuries. So that's it. Like nothing more than, you know what I mean? Like oh, doing 20 lifts. Right. Exactly. Doing 20 lifts at 80% would, would avail me the same adaptations and none of the injuries. So, you know what I mean? How much do you really need to adjust beyond that? You really, it, it should be, you should be able to predict to some degree. So the idea that it's like, oh, well, I'll send you next week's training after you do this is like, to me, is a marketing mechanism more than anything else. Oh, 100%. To keep people paying. 100%. Because then they're like, oh, well, I don't even know what I would, I don't even know what I would have to do next week because I would have to pay him to find out. Or I don't, after these next two sessions, I'm not, and that's literally, it keeps people on the hook. But my whole thing is this like, I have people that I've been coaching that I've been working with directly, like even in online coaching for what, 10 years more, maybe at least eight years for online, and they don't leave. And it's not like they couldn't leave at any point and figure out how to do the programming themselves because I've written multiple books on the subject that are instructional and we know what they're going to do next. They'll even say like, Hey, so am I going to go back to do this? Yeah, let's do that again. And we'll change yeah. this. Yeah. That's that. That's called teaching. The other thing is trickery. Uh, it's not teaching. They're not learning anything because they don't even understand why they're doing what they're doing. In fact, most of the time the coach doesn't understand why they're doing what they're doing. It's just something different. You know what I mean? It's just, oh, we'll just change this. And then the more complex it seems and the more various devices you include in the, in the, in the mechanism for training, then the, the higher the likelihood that the client's not going to be able to figure it out on their own and, and do it on their own. You know, yeah. whereas for me, I'd, I'd like it to be as simple as possible. I'd like to see clients be able to, I love, there's nothing I like better than when a client has been with me for, you know, a few years or whatever. And they're like, you know, I'm going to try to do uh, um, um, you know, a mesocycle on my own or, or, or they say like, you know, what do you think about me doing this? Like the answer is always, yes, do it. If you're asking the question, the answer is there's a reason. Yes. That means you're ready to start trying. And if you get jammed up, I'm here. I'll still be here. I'm not going to like, you know what I mean? Like try, I want people to try. Yeah. I want them to, I want them to give it a whirl and see if they can do it on their own. Cause most of the time you surprise yourself. 
you know, you the confidence thing is a, is a big piece of it. People hire coaches sometimes because they're not confident in making their own decisions, and that, that's okay because that should teach you how to make the decisions correctly, you know. But if, if you're dealing with someone who's coaching you and they're not talking to you about the hows and whys of the decisions and also the, the how to think about it, like the hows and whys of like – Why are you doing in, in it this general, way and not this way? Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, why does it have to be more complex? You should always be asking why, right? When someone says like what's the best shoulder exercise, I'm like, well, for what? Like, what's the goal? <laughs> what is like, the stimulus that you are trying to achieve out of this task? Yeah, how do I get bigger triceps? Like, what's like, how do I get bigger triceps with this exercise? And it's like, okay, well, what do you want the bigger triceps for? Like, what is it that you're trying to accomplish, right? Because it's pretty easy to get, you know, you honestly, I think that if, if strength isn't a consideration, then metabolic stress should be used in conjunction with it, the mechanical stresses. But like, if it is, and you want truly stuff, you, want, you really want the, that type of adaptation where it's going to carry over to strength quickly, then that would be a different route that we would take. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's why using the methodology, all those questions are already answered. All that stuff's already kind of figured out for you. And then by reverse engineering and figuring out, well, why are we doing this? Okay. Oh, that's why. Okay. And then you're in a better position later on because you've seen it working in a working model. You're like, okay, I understand. We're doing this because this will lead directly to this down the road. You know what I mean? Uh, this would take longer to get to this if we do it this way, so we won't do that. Or maybe because of the timing and how far away we are from a meet, we will do that. We will do the longer way and then also switch to the shorter way as we get closer because it'll be more specific and more relevant at that time. You know, so like just the philosophy of understanding why you're doing things. If that's the, I think that's the biggest thing that you can get from working with a coach is understanding the why and learning how to make the decisions that you're asking them to make for you, you know, if if you ask a coach like what should I do with this and they just give you an answer, that's not good in my opinion. I think they should be explaining to you why. They should say, okay, well, here's what we're gonna do, but the reason we're doing this is this. Like the goal is this will help with this. You know, I'm gonna tell you to use this cue because it's gonna actually help with reversal, and you know what I mean. It's gonna make that more consistent. Things like that. You know what I mean? Like where yeah. so they know why why they're doing it they're not just following i think blindly. that is so important and the the one thing that i will always say to my clients whether it's online whether it's face to face is it's like i want you to actively question me i want you to actively be like why have you put this exercise after this exercise because i say to them if i can't explain to you why i've put that in your program it shouldn't be in your fucking program you're right it shouldn't. You're but then absolutely if, right. If the client understands what it is that they're going through and why they're going through it, they've got skin in the game. They're now a part of their own process because now they want to oh, learn. Yeah. I want consistent depth. I want a better reversal. Of course, that's what we're trying to accomplish. So here's how we're going to do it. So that, you know, then they, they start to put two and two together and you learn. Like, I don't even, it's sort of like a meta thought, like how to think you know thinking about thinking you know what i mean like how are we doing this how are we making these decisions so real maybe even like meta decision making like you know that's a good way to look at it i think because if you don't have that you're just you're just trying to replicate old decisions but you didn't really understand why you made them to begin with so you're only looking at an incomplete picture you know what i mean again it's that it's the multiple levels of analysis right like on the surface well why do you lift weights you want bigger muscles okay there's that there's also a lot of other reasons, 
You know what I mean? They have nothing to do with that. You know, like when I, st- when I started lifting weights, I wanted big muscles. Like I'll be honest with you. I don't really care about having big muscles at this point in my life, but it's like, it's just a side effect of something else that I actually have a legitimate need for. You know what I mean? So it's, it works out beautifully in that way. Like you end up having those things that you wanted initially and you didn't realize like that wasn't even what I was, that's not what was really drawing me towards this. It was something else, you know? So I think that's the, I I think that's the view of weightlifting in and of itself, man. Like, like I, like we, we all get involved for some reason, but along the way we pick up and learn and develop so many other things that it becomes so much greater than that one thing that we ever set out for that we do it for life because we, we realize that there is like this endless array of, of lessons for us to learn and possibilities to help ourselves develop both mentally and physically along the way because we're always going to be challenged in that environment. A pound is a pound and a kilo is a kilo. And you're only going to be as strong as you can be at that time until you make the adaptations in place to progress. And at that time, you will have to face adversity of your own body, not working to the standard you want it to. And then the principles you're going to put in place to gain that extra strength and overcome it. And then the, the, the kick and gel for that, man, it's like a drug. It feels so good. Yeah. Is, is is honesty it's accountability you're forced to be honest you're forced to be accountable because the numbers don't lie right so like what we were talking about before about like oh like healthy at any size all that stuff okay but the numbers actually indicate that that's not the case right look if we look at this there's a statistically significant difference in health between individuals with different body weights right like and you can look at that in any way like from any direction it's obvious right so like it's the same thing with this like you either lifted that weight or you didn't doesn't matter of how you feel like how much you feel like you can lift how much can you actually lift we can narrow it down to a pound you know what i mean like you can either lift it or you can't we can get it down to a very precise amount and like you either made progress or you didn't and if you didn't then that is a useful piece of information that's going to drive you to analyze what you did to get to that point that either worked or didn't work and that is that paradigm of taking information and integrating it in a way that's going to allow you to make better decisions moving forward. That's what we want to move towards. And sadly, it sucks, but to see society moving the opposite direction. We're like, oh, we have all this information that indicates this thing, but never mind that. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to throw some science-ish stuff at it. Uh... <laughs> Scientism. That's what it is, you know. It's like, uh, well, the, the problem is, like, you know, yeah. People, people believe what they want to believe. That, that's the other side of it too. We work. We all, we all enter into every situation with our own various cognitive biases, you know, like confirmation bias, for example. We've already decided we want to believe something, so now we're going to take evidence that we come across that supports that, and we're going to lift that up real high and elevate that and magnify it, and anything that goes counter to what we've already chosen to believe it's like it's not snow but you know i'm gonna look at that yeah that's garbage there's some issue with that uh you know yeah <clears throat> that's a problem that's you know what i mean now we're, we're basically we might as well be walking around with our eyes closed yeah. you know uh you have to you have to use the information that we have available because like that information like if you even get more specific from information to data like as you get more data a clearer picture emerges invariably right <clears throat> so if we know that and we have a tremendous amount of data about you know a specific problem or situation and all the data points in one direction and we're like 
yeah, but I don't like the way that looks. Let's go with something else here that's a little bit, you know, that makes things a little easier for people. Uh, that's not – you're lying not only to yourself, you're lying to other people. So now you're doing harm, you know. Uh, that same goes for training. Like, sadly, we have people that will put together training that they want to work, and when it doesn't work, they'll still pretend like it did work and that it was someone else's fault that it didn't work and uh, all these other things. And they'll draw these these wild comparisons. You know, like to just they'll focus on one particular issue and draw wild comparisons and completely ignore 50 other issues that are huge, that are problems that are going to make the one thing that they're talking about, the one positive response actually irrelevant. They're going to, yeah, they're going to make it negative because you're not even going to be able to perform. So <laughs> you have to consider the whole picture, right? Like who cares if you get stronger within a training cycle, but you're always decimated and injured before you get to the platform. Yeah, exactly. What the, what's out of value? Nothing. Right? Nothing. Literally. A temporary ego boost. So I think it's cool to, to look at things the way that, that, that we do with FISA in terms of looking at a six-month macro cycle and not trying to really determine if you're making a whole ton of progress within as long as you're meeting the guidelines, you know, because uh, it's really easy to overthink this stuff. And that's by far the biggest problem that people have, I think, in terms of longevity is that they get so stressed with overthinking 8 million little things. And then when one thing doesn't go their way, they're like, this is just too much for me to think about. I can't deal with all these. Eventually they end up quitting. When in reality, like pick a reasonable method of training and train for five years. <laughs> you're going to be really happy with the results. Like be consistent with it. It's not like you're going to go, oh, I shouldn't have been training these five years. I wasted these five years training. Like <laughs> it's not going to happen. I promise you it won't, it won't happen. You know, and as far as people giving you little like tips, tricks and all these things, that are, it's like, you're focusing on the wrong things. Learn how to lift with good technique. Learn how to lift in a way that's going to provide longevity. And but when I say that, I'm not only referring to technique, I'm also referring to the way that you're loading. You know, some, use something that's going to factor into and account for your recoverability and adaptability because that is an individual difference yeah. to some degree. But if you're doing that stuff, I mean, it's ultimately it's about time. It's about repetition. Time's our friend. Time is going to show us. It's going to reveal everything that we need to know. Um, but you know what time quick. isn't sexy, uh, and you know what serves sexy, and that's right. the issue we right. have is that every motherfucker on Instagram is out here trying to sell a twelve-week program that promises to add sixty percent onto their one RM, and it just doesn't exist. It yeah. doesn't happen. It comes no, really like put forty pounds. Yeah. Flex is like the old Flex magazine articles. You know, like put forty pounds on your bench in eight weeks. Everybody's like, oh, I want to do this. And it's like, yeah, sure. And then everyone's got like tendonitis by the end of it. They've got like a whole heap of uh, like tricep overuse issues and whatever. And it's like, oh yeah, man, I, I like, oh. to get, get a little bit more out of it. But now my entire body is completely ruined and I can't bench press for the next six months. And then my total goes down by 50%. And not, not to mention, like, let's be real here. If that was something that was a reasonable expectation for results from training, right? Like you could just be like, oh, well in two years, I'm going to have the all time world record. This is great. <laughs> yeah. Right? Come on. Like, yeah, at some point, there's a disconnect. Like, it's like people buying lottery tickets. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, where they buy lottery tickets compulsively every day. And they're yeah. just like, oh, you know, think about what you're doing. Where do you think the money comes from for the person that wins? People like you. You know what I mean? Like, that's it. Like, you're just, you're, you're the one funding all this. You're going yeah. in and putting $20 a day into it. You know, I'm not saying that people never win the lottery, but that's probably not how you're going to do it. If you're going to win, you're going to win. You know, it's a one in 20 million chance that you're going to actually win some substantive figure, right? So, like, 
it, it, it is. It's just they go into it with that same mentality of hoping and dreaming. And it's just such a desperation. You know, it's such like it, it, it reeks of desperation. It's like that's not how to get things done. You know what I mean? To wow. just to just have an un, unrealistic hope and, you know, to have it be let's be real here about what do you hope to get out of a six month training cycle? Are you somebody that's already been lifting for a while? Are you, you know, you know, you are you brand new to lifting? It might be a little more. But if it is, let's be realistic that next time it's probably not going to be you're not probably not going to put 60 pounds on a lift in six months. That's probably a trick you're only going to pull off once, you know. And what about when it's 10? What about when you train for six weeks and it's five? You're going to keep going then? Not if that 60 was what was giving you your motivation, you know. There's a, there's a dangerous difference between motivation and discipline. Whereas, like, motivations change and they wane and they, they grow and uh, they shift. And one day you could be motivated by one thing. That, the problem is intrinsic motivation is the only thing that matters. So the stuff that's inside of you, not the stuff where there's external motivation where people are going to clap. That can't be the motivation. If that's the motivation, you're going to fail. You know what I mean? It can't be for other people. It has to be about the way it makes you feel. And if training makes you feel a certain way, it should make you feel that way when you make a five-pound improvement on a lift over six months and when you make a 60-pound improvement on a lift over six months. Because those, the, the difference between those two things is not as much in your power as you think. You know what I mean? It's A lot of it is going to be genetic predisposition, so higher levels of recoverability and adaptability, which you can't do much to change that. You might be able to improve your recoverability or adaptability by 5%, 10% just by changing environmental factors, lifestyle choices, so forth. But when you're dealing with someone who, in their first year of training, is benching 500 pounds, that's not them. <laughs> they're, they're already – there's no modifying that you're going to do to yourself whether it be in the form of drugs or getting more sleep or food, you're not going to do that. Yeah. What they did. Cause that's like the difference between a pit bull and a chihuahua. Like there's no amount of drugs that you could give to a chihuahua to make it a pit bull. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It's just not. And that's not to say that there's not amazing chihuahuas out there that have value and that are good. They, they are, but like maybe, maybe if that's the case and you feel disheartened about that, maybe your identity shouldn't be just that you're lifting. You know what I mean? Maybe there's other things about you that are valuable also. And I would say that's true for the best lifters in the world and people that are just starting out and that are kids. You know, there's really, there's nobody who is good enough at lifting that it should be all they are. There's just not. You know what I mean? Because this is a temporary thing. Every, every fire dies. Every fire dies. Everything has to begin. And, you know, there's a middle in there where you shine. But like every aspect, every talent, even your health will fade, will go away, you know, and if, and if that's all you are, once that starts where you're no longer at the best you could be, where there's potential for you to be anymore, you're done. What else do you have to offer? Was your life over? Like it shouldn't be, you know, there should be more to you than that. This should be part of a life. It should be part of a life that enhances your life and doesn't take away from it. That's not to say that you can't be the best in the world at it. And, and if you're someone who's in the thrall of pursuing that, where you actually believe you're someone who could be the best ever or close to it or a top competitor, that's not to discourage those people from doing that. But it's important to hold on to the fact that you're more than just that. Is that that's what will get you through the times when things don't go the way you want, right? Like that's when we lose sight of that. Everybody wants to be a savage and show you how tough they are. And this is all I care about. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes. You know what I hear when people tell me they're willing to do whatever it takes to be the best. I'm willing to take drugs. Like, yeah, 
you and everybody else, dude. It doesn't matter. There is no way yeah. to do that. There's no, yeah. short, there's no shortcut. There's no amount of drugs you're going to take that's going to, you know what I mean? That's going to make you Dan Green next week. It ain't happening. You know, it's just not going to happen. So, you know, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I think it leads to a very unhealthy mindset that inevitably ends in a train wreck. You know, you watch these people's lives fall apart and so forth. And, you know, I hate to see that. I hate to see that. You know, but if you find your center in some, you find your center and your anchor in the world in something other than just the lifting, the lifting can be a thing that enhances that. You know what I mean? It can be something that you do it's and not who you are. It's, 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 yeah. it's a way to express that greater thing that you're trying to achieve. Right, right. So in other words, if you're if whether or not you want to do it is dependent on whether or not you could be the best at it, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Because the people, the people that are the best at it, they know that they have a balance. You know what I mean? They're just—that's all there is to it. Like people yeah. that are, they, and the they, people that are they, the best are like so incredibly humble with it as well, because they understand that that isn't their be-all and end-all and everything. Like they understand what that thing does and where it fits in their life, and relative to to what their life is you know, on a whole. And I, I think great. Dan Bell, great example. You know, Dan Bell, right, has all-time world record total now. He's he's just been – I've watched him from the very beginning. You know, I've been cool with him. We've been talking and interacting from his first or second meet, you know. And uh, to see someone – he's very humble. He's very – he's a humble dude. He's not out there like, ha-ha, like, you know. And the people that – what's crazy is the people that want to be the best, that so outwardly and vocally want to be the best, you don't see them act the way, that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're trying to act like they're the greatest already and they're going to win and they're just going to win everything they do. And, you know, there's a lot of ups and downs on every every person at the top, their path. There, It was very rarely was it just a linear climb. It's usually ups and downs. And to make it, to find out who, some, who someone really is, whether or not they're going to make it through that, watch them when they have it down because that might be the last you ever see of them. Yeah, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, 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 it kicks in the teeth a couple times. Yeah, because that that's the thing. That's when you that's when everything gets shored up. Well, what else do you have? What else is there in your life? Like, are you, is this, is this the rock that you build everything on? Cause it's crumbling. Now, if you have all these other things, you can lean on, if you have other aspects of your life, if you have, you know, maybe family, if you have a good social circle of people that you love and care about, you have other interests that you want to pursue. You have a calling that you feel outside of just that. Not to say you need all of those things, but you need some, yeah. you know, you need some if there's nothing but the lifting and that's it and that's your identity you won't get very far because it's really not your identity you're lying it's a facade right you're trying to convince yourself what you're trying to convince other people and it'll become clear the first time that you don't have that thing doing what you want it to do first time you get injured first time you get injured seriously like the first time you wake up in a hospital bed and realize you have to have spine surgery you know right then you know whether or not it's over yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know that. And you're like, okay, well, I'll do whatever I got to do to get by. And I'll, I have other things in my life I can lean on until I'm back to normal or until I can recover. And, and where you face something that the recovery is six months or a year or two years, three years. Do you, do you keep doing it? Because it's not going to give you all the, it's not going to give you that feedback you want in that time. You're not going to keep getting pats on the back and attaboys, you know? So that's the external, you know, the external reward compared to the internal reward the external motivation, you know, the explicit motivation instead of the intrinsic motivation.
Yeah. You know, the extrinsic is, is different when you're dependent on what other people think and what other people will respond to and what you'll get lauded for. You're not going to get lauded for being injured. You're going to get injured. So, yeah. I mean, what then? What then? Do you just give in to drug addiction or other things, or is there something else in your life that's holding you together? That's, I think that's a, that's a big message that people need to hear is that you need more than just the lifting. In order to be the best at the lifting, you need more than just the lifting. But those are the people that tell you they're going to be the best. I'm going to be the best. I'm going to I'll do whatever it takes. They seem to think that, that, that what it takes is a really singular focus and being willing to sacrifice everything else in your life when oftentimes doing those things will ensure that there's no way you'll finish the course. Yeah. Yeah. It's so yeah. funny, isn't it? It's so funny that the people's perceived idea of what they need to do is almost entirely the complete opposite of what they should actually be doing. It's sad. I hate to see it, man. I really do. I hate to it's see hard. it. I know these are people. They're searching, man. You know, they're desperate. These are people that are searching for an identity. They're searching for something that they think they're going to get it from a barbell and they just, they just won't. It's one, it's one piece of the puzzle, you know? Yeah, it, it, it can do a lot for us, a hell of a lot for us, but we need to understand where it lies in the grand scheme of things for you as a human being in your life. Huge, huge. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not maybe even the most valuable tool to certain people because it is. In certain cases, it's the thing that's going to direct you, but it can't be the only thing. You know, it can't, it can't be that that's your, that's your identity, that's your, your sole source because it's something temporary and you have no control over how temporary it is. You know, you can do things to mitigate the risk of injury, but that's just mitigating risk. You don't but, really like, You know, we're, we're talking about injury, but even if you look at what's happened in the last like year and a half, man, with COVID, gyms being shut down, it's like, okay, well, your identity is a powerlifter. Okay, cool. How about not doing any powerlifting meets for a year? The fuck are you going to do that? Now what? How about not training in some cases? Some people yeah. think they're doing push-ups. Yeah, and if you, you if you want to really if you want yeah. a picture of what of how of how much people are deriving their identity from lifting and from the gym and from look at this strange phenomena that happened early in quarantine where everyone was like posting these strange apartment sad like apartment exercise videos. You know what I mean? Like, look here, you can use a gallon of milk to do this. It's like are you really that desperate for validation? Like, you really like what you can't people leg pressing their sofas, and you're like, what? Like, you can't take, why? Yeah, you can't post weird angles of your butt while you're lifting anymore. So now, what you're gonna do in your apartment? Like tying stuff to poles? Like it's yeah. Like you literally, they, it's so sad. They're like reaching out for that same thing on the internet. Like, please, like my, give me likes, give me validation. You know what I mean? Like, I'll I'll teach you guys how to lift weights, though. Like. <laughs> I don't know. It's the it's like the, it, the, if if there was like an authenticity, if there was a litmus for authenticity, like suddenly, like it's just everyone's purple. Like you can see, like it's just, I quit. You know what I mean? Like oh wow, like okay, I guess yeah, I guess everyone on here is fake. Right, well, you need to like, get like, a T-shirt. Everyone's purple. <laughs> everyone's purple. Right, 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 right. Like, yeah, yeah. Like if it like the keto strips, like everybody's testing ketones. It looks like oh, it's just purple, right? <laughs> Oh shit! I got me. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> oh man, yeah. This, yeah, man. I, well, this is a good conversation, man. This has been definitely been real getting to know you a little bit too. Yeah, know? man. It's, uh, it's it's absolutely I, incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, I'm I'm grateful that we were able to do this for a little bit today. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, it's, it's it's been a hell of a yeah. lot of fun. It's been a hell of a lot of fun, man. Now I lo- I like to uh I like to end up the podcast the same with absolutely everyone. 
tastes like two, two minutes to do. So I want you to imagine for, for one sec real quick, you're stepping into a time machine and you're going back in time. And this is going to be very, very prevalent for you. In that time, you step out of the time machine and you're presented with your younger self, 10, 11, 12 years of age, very, very formative years and a hell of a lot of stuff to come in your future, especially for yourself. So in those few moments that you get to spend with your younger self, you get to impart some wisdom, mantra, a way to live their life, or just some knowledge to help that young man navigate his way through all of the, the crazy things that life is, is about to throw at him. What in these these last few moments do you give to yourself to, to, to help them get through all of that? What would I what would I give them to help them get through it? Yeah, or like whether, whether that be like verbally, like through through knowledge or a way to live their life, or just some some general knowledge to impart to them to help them get through everything that they're about to go through. Well, I'll put it like this: I know that I wouldn't really want to change it. There's things I regret doing, you know, there's things, decisions I made that I regret and so forth, but I do, I'm at a place where I see, I see it as a perfect picture, the whole, the, the entirety of it. I see it as, uh, you know, this is all a continuum, you know, and we're existing on different reason. Yeah, I do believe that, that this, that, that prepared me for where I am now. And I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. You know, and I, although like I would offer myself the encouragement of the suffering that I know was coming, you know, and certainly it was a good deal of suffering, you know, um, but I, I would just I would re I would reaffirm that the source of, of the answers was in scripture. That would be something that I would I would push myself toward to lean on scripture. I did that in a way. And I think that through doing that, through 20 plus years of leaning on scripture and not understanding and not being able to put it together and not being able to submit. You know, see, I could go back and say, like, hey, just submit. <clears throat> but no, like, that would be me playing the role of God. I don't think I'm qualified. I wasn't ready yet to submit. I wasn't prepared. Like, I really do believe that that friction was used to polish me. You know what I mean? And uh, it polished me into a, a perfectly formed tool, you know, that, that to fulfill God's purpose, which it took until this point in my life to get where I'm at. It took a lot of suffering, a lot of poor choices, mistakes. I'm able to empathize with my former self. So I'm not angry at my former self for any of the choices I made that led me into those situations that were difficult. Because I know that I was just working with what I understood at that time. And that understanding and everything that I've been through and all the suffering and all the mistakes I've made have put me in a position where I'm able to empathize with other people and the mistakes that they're making and not become frustrated and not and to just be a little bit more accepting and understanding and to not judge people because I realize that everyone is carrying stuff with them that you don't see. Everybody is fighting a battle that you don't necessarily know about. You know what I mean? And uh, it took my life for me to learn that. It took the struggles and adversity and it took prison and solitary confinement and starvation and, you know, things like that. It took those things to put me in the position I'm in now where I truly feel that there's nobody that I'm not going to be able to empathize with, that I can't say, that, that I can't put myself in their shoes and say, Hey, you know, I, I can't imagine how that feels, but well, I can imagine, you know, <laughs> but I don't know things like that. Like I, I've been through enough hurting and enough pain and enough as a result of that. And it sucks to say now, because obviously that younger version of me is someone that I love and care for, but no more than other people, you know? And uh, I can't rightly say that someone that's going through suffering, that it could be for a better purpose, that it could be for some higher purpose, and then say, oh, well, my suffering, let me cancel that out. You know, no, I, I needed that. 
I needed that. And it, it's hard to say. I'm not saying that, believe me, there's things that I wish didn't happen. I'm like, oh, I wish that didn't happen. But in, in, in hindsight, in retrospect, seeing things clearly from a higher altitude, looking down and being like, wait, my perspective is better. Uh, I needed to do those things. I needed to make those mistakes. I needed to learn some things the hard way. I was somebody who early in life, I, I needed to put my hand on the stove again and again, even though people are going, no, it's hot. And I'm like, ah, it doesn't look hot anymore. You know, I needed to do that. How so, and Right. It, 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 still me. it looks like it cooled off a little bit. I don't know. You know, I had to do that. I had to keep doing it, beat my head against the wall. And, um, you know, I, I, maybe through some, maybe through some other means I could have had, I could have reached that enlightenment sooner. But I think that the fact that I didn't, that it took struggling for all that time made me what I am. It made me useful in the way that I am and I wouldn't be that. So I wouldn't trade that for anything, you know? So I, ultimately I would offer myself encouragement and I would reaffirm what I was already doing, which was to continue to lean on reading scripture and lean on scripture. You know, although I didn't have a holistic understanding of it and there was a lot of it that I was like, well, what's this, you know, that struggling with those things and researching and, and trying to figure those ideas out and trying to get a handle on them made me where I am at, where I am now, made me the tool for Christ that I am now, which I wouldn't be that if I, if I hadn't done that. So again, I really wouldn't change it. I would, I would offer myself, I would offer myself the same encouragement. You know what I mean? That, that I would offer somebody else, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't give them the secret that would change it. You know, I wouldn't tell them, Oh, don't make this decision or don't do that. I've definitely played this game before in my head, the time machine game where if I could go back and change one thing, well, I, you know, should I, I don't know. I think I would, I think I would do it. I would, I would let myself learn those things again because clearly that was the best way for me to learn them. I, I don't want to assume that I know better than God. I don't. You know? Yeah, man, so. that is that. I couldn't think of a better way to end it. That that's so so perfect, so perfect, man. It has been an absolute pleasure talking with you today, man. I I thank you so Same. much for for taking the time out. I know you're a busy, busy guy. You got a lot going on. Um, and everything's mental at the moment. So I really, really respect it, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I tell you what, I don't even think I have touched two of the bullet points of the 50 different things that I had that I could have possibly spoken about, which means that we're going to have to have you back on at some other point to, to, to discuss it. I love it. I love too. Because it's, it's, it's been sick. It's been absolutely sick. Thank you so much. I know, I know it will be... I know it'll be a good conversation and I'm grateful to have been a part of it. So thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, it was good to get to know you a little bit. 